You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, you know what time it is. It's the autopsy, the aftermath. We'll take a look at the thrilling victory through the lens of the film, the All-22, to get to 3-0 with the victory over the Buffalo Bills. We'll peep the numbers from the game. We'll talk about snap counts and what they mean. All of that and a heck of a lot more, plus hearing from head coach Mike McDaniel from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off with the All-22 review. As you can imagine, the defensive tape was nearly three times as long as the offense. I think it was 26 minutes versus 60 minutes uh, defense versus offense. Let's go ahead and do the offensive side first. And I just thought the Bills had a plan, and this would make sense, right, given all the guys they were down. And this is also the benefit of having a pass rush that almost never blitzes, that can get pressure with the front four, is you can play that zone coverage, sit back and prevent deep balls. And we look, we talked about the pass ratings allowed to quarterbacks since the start of 2020, and just one quarterback was over 100 in their passer rating. Tua had a 124 passer rating, so it's the best in two years against that Buffalo Bills defense. And that was with them doing a great job taking away Tyreek Hill, and they're afforded the opportunity to do that, to bracket two sides of the field with Jalen and Tyreek, because they're so athletic at the linebacker position, who just both excel so much in coverage with their speed and athletic ability. It's just crazy what Edmonds and Milano can do in the middle of the field to occupy so much space. It's why this defense is so tough. It's why having those guys down in the secondary was such a big opportunity for this Dolphins offense and, and team to get some points and get the victory because catching the, it's all about catching teams at the right time, right? And you probably caught the Bills at a good time there despite the fact that the offense was cranking and we saw how that played out. But that's for the second part of the podcast. Just so much fun design <clears throat> from the offense. The end around to Waddle, you see Smythe split flow action. Then he peels back the exact same way Alec Ingle did in the Baltimore game for the wheel route that he caught where he peels back and it takes the edge of the Buffalo defense and they all suck into the formation and it gives that edge to Jalen Waddle, and we know what he can do once he has the ball in his hands off the edge. And it's not just Durham Smythe on that play. You have Rob Hunt pulled to the other side of the formation because you have to sell your look, right? You can't run something just to run it. You have to sell it. You have to set it up and convince the defense you're going to do it. And on that play, you can see Tremaine Edmonds chase Rob Hunt and flow directly at number 68 and fit the wrong gap. And then you have Durham Smythe downfield with a great block on that particular play as well. Buffalo did have some success blitzing DBs against the run. That big negative play, the six-yard loss, that kind of was a drive killer there on, uh, I think it was 
I think it was play number two of the second half. It was just Teron Johnson kind of pulling his best Brandon Jones where he timed up his blitz perfectly and gets in there for the impact play. Let's break down Tua's game. What say you? Right away, we get some high-level stuff from Tua in two areas. It's a variation of smash, which you have one route that holds that cloud corner against cover two, and then you sneak someone into that corner, or as John Gruden once called it, the turkey hole uh, of that cover two coverage. And Tua, as we've come to learn from this quarterback, and you go back to my evaluation of his Alabama tape and how great he was at that, if you have a chance, type in at Wingfield NFL, Tua, LSU, and go back and watch the 2019 LSU tape that I broke down. We're starting to see a lot of that in his NFL tape, where he uses not just his eyes to occupy that cloud corner, that underneath corner. He strides towards him. He puts his motion towards that guy, and you see him take one false step up, and that was all Tua needed to fit it in between the corner and the safety 20 yards downfield. Now, we didn't make the catch. It happens. Alec will get that next time but Tua's ability to influence the defense on display from the first snap. The speed out to the field to Trent Sherfield after the forced fumble and recovery by Javon Holland and Melvin Ingram. Sherfield runs that flat route from Tripp's bunch, and the most outside corner is leveraged in the opposite direction, and you see Tua take his eyes over there to see that, and he separates the hands, which tells you the ball's coming out. Before Trent even turns his head back to the quarterback, the timing continues to be super, super impressive. I mentioned the RPO on the recap pod. It was even better on tape. There's a safety bearing down over the top, and Tua's throw doesn't just settle Waddle in away from that danger. It's on the backside shoulder, which allows him to wheel out and run after the catch, and he did just that. I thought the design of the next play was really cool. The same idea where the Bills take away Tyreek over the middle. And here comes Mike Gesicki, again, selling it off of split flow action, which looks like a run play. And he just ducks the blocker right into the vacancy left by the linebackers who were keying on Tyreek. This offense is designed to give you a look that you think it's going to be and then play off of that. It's the ultimate Mike McDaniel move. And then who boy, the touchdown pass to River Craycraft. There's a diamond of Bills defenders against a trips bunch of Miami. So four versus three. And Mike comes off inside first and holds Tremaine Edmonds. And then River follows him inside while Raheem widens it out to the other direction, trying to displace. And this is where Tua goes super high level again. Like you have to anticipate these types of throws into these tight windows so well. And it's been a strong suit of his game, a superpower in his game. One of the things that I think he's best in the league at, which is how you become, you have to be, you know, you have to be best at something in the league. This is where I think Tua is going to really shine. You see the outside corner, their, their best player in the secondary, it's Teron Johnson as well, takes one step wide. And that was all Tua needed to see when he hits his back foot and to see that shot open up. Tua is throwing before Craycraft is even out of the break. The safety is driving on it, and it's just an absolutely perfect throw. And it, it had to be, and it was. And I think the best part was number four, De- DeMar Hamlin, is playing three yards deep in the end zone, and he's reacting to the route combination. You actually see him take a step to get more width to potentially deal with the route to the, to the corner. I think it was a back pylon route by Raheem Mostert. And that one step was all the space that Craycraft needed to make the catch. Really, really good stuff from one. Strike up the band. Let's go Cougs, even though this weekend was brutal. On the next series, he gets away from a free runner, Tua does, and throws on the move complete to Waddle. And Armstead got beat this one time in the entire game, 
It was this one, but Tua creates and Waddle comes back to help him move the chains. You're seeing a little bit of everything from Tua here. The big arm, or the, I should say the accuracy downfield. I'll, I'll be more blunt about that. Uh, the creativity off the spot and the anticipation, timing, and accuracy. It's all it's all very, very good. Uh, we talked about him settling Jalen Waddle down. He did the exact same thing to Tyreek on the first play of the second half. An absolute dart, 20 yards with anticipation out of the break, but not leading him into the safety Beautiful, beautiful throw. The corner route to Waddle for 33 was another example of smooth pocket awareness to slide away from some pressure and drive a throw, sort of backing away from that pressure. And the Bills, man, they disguised their coverage so well in this game. Like, these guys were coached up and communicated it pretty well, I thought, as far as being so many backups in there. They play a quarters look where that corner is bumping. Like, you don't usually do that. And he has to fall. I don't think you're allowed to do that. And he winds up falling off of the coverage and getting depth. And then Waddle, you know, we'll talk about him here in one second on that route. Let's come back to that, actually. Let's do the third and 22 first. It's an awesome concept to sit Sherfield down about five yards short of the sticks, right around field goal range, like just short of the 30-yard line to kind of occupy those backers. Because if they get depth... You can then just shoot that ball in there and take the three points, but they didn't. They closed on it, and then that gave the middle of the field open to Jalen Waddle. And on the other side of the formation, Tyreek is running a full-speed clear-out route that widens the field side safety. He hammers it down right at the sticks, and that safety takes the cheese and takes a couple steps that way. And to his hands separate when Jalen's at the 37-yard line. He's also literally on the step to the flag, to the seven route, to the corner, which widens the safety. So you've got both safeties just inside the numbers at the 27-yard line, and Jalen's at the 37. He's still 10 yards away, and Tua's like, that's it. That's the spot. That is elite-level anticipation. Tua drops it right down the pipe at the 11-yard line. It's literally between the two hash marks where you would set up a field goal in your ideal position right between the hashes. What a dime. What a time to drop that dime. How about these receivers, man? Tyreek and Jalen, the hitch that Tyreek caught and took a pretty good hit on. This is just the type of impact that he has in in one tangible snapshot where he presses a 10-yard cushion and still forces a, a retreat step by the corner. It's that speed just tangibly showing up there and creating space for Tua to work with. The effort on the clear out route, we talked about it. What a great effort that was from him and just a great teammate especially on a day where Buffalo was going to apply two men to him really throughout the course of the game and then back to Waddle the pacing of his routes is synced up so well to Tua's timing right now it's so obvious they've played a lot of football together he knows when to throttle down when to hit the jets how to set up his breaks attack leverage relentlessly his route running is so so dang good the 33 yard drive starter going back to that corner route right before his 45-yarder, which, by the way, I'm doing the math in my head, 78 yards on one drive to to a game-winning drive. Talk about arriving. The corner bails at the snap. Talk about that press coverage. He gets out, and so Jalen just goes to work really chasing that blind spot. What I mean by that is a cornerback can't defend his back. Jalen sees him bail and he goes inside to that blind spot because he has ins- or outside leverage. And then the minute he flips the hips, that's when you flip him back yourself and go to the corner and that turns him or goes to the post, I should say, and that turns him around and whoop! That was a bad Chris Berman. He's right back to the outside. It's spin cycle, man. It's what he did. And then the route on the copper route, we talked about that, the 
post or the corner to the post. Chef's kiss, man. The way he stayed vertical after his jab step to the corner and then didn't like go straight to the post. He kind of stayed inside to stay in that cornerback's like to keep him in phase so that he could run further away from him. Does that make sense? Like rather than take the advantage of the distance you already created, stay tight so that that corner thinks he can stay tight with you, but then you can separate more from that point. It's elite level processing like that that makes this guy an elite player on top of his elite level start stop ability. What a game for Jalen Waddell. What a game and what a year so far for Teron Armstead. The way he shortens the runway for Von Miller to eliminate those speed rushes, those ghost rushes, the way he bends that corner. He just continuously redirected Von Miller's rush path right around to it. We saw that ghost move against the Rams and Joe Noteboom where he would just dummy a punch and then whoop, dip right under him. Teron would go shorten that track and then just get the quick uh, kind of pivot step or the drop step to open up and run him around the arc. It was elite stuff from Teron Armstead. The first run of the game, Chase Edmonds, he washes down the four-eye technique, which is on the inside shoulder of Teron. So that means it's a reach block, right? Which is one of the toughest blocks you can make and takes him across the entire formation before pancaking him. Then he stonewalled Villar on, or Miller, <laughs> Villar? Detective Von Miller on the Sherfield completion after the fumble that we got down at the six-yard line. Their pressure is right into his face in the direction of the pass, and he speeds up his drop to find the landmark to get that anchor right in front of his quarterback. And you see Miller, who has a speed rush, speed to power, completely thwarted. We're talking, (laughs) I don't know, this tape is really good, man. The completion of Tyreek, where he takes a big hit afterwards, once again goes out there and cuts down that runway on Vaughn and realizes that he actually lost the angle, but he has recovery ability to quickly shuffle back and get depth off of the uh, the pass rush landmark there. It's been teaching tape through three weeks here for Teron Armstead. He's a hell of a football player, just like we expected. So is Connor Williams. He just moves guys in the running game, man, gets them out of their gap. Go look at the first Edmonds touchdown. That is some kind of play by Williams. I haven't seen a play like a like that from a Dolphin center since Mike Pouncey was here. And then our big runs consistently, you just see 58 sealing off where he's the first man off the snap and just wall somebody off. But even more than that, like all you got to do is wall that off. But sometimes he gets movement, which is just a bonus on those plays. Rob Hunt had two great anchor reps back-to-back against Tim Settle and his big behind. Raheem's longest run came behind Rob, clearing out uh, a man with significant punch. He was excellent again. And then the push that he and Connor got on the double team uh, on the second Edmonds touchdown, man, I might have been able to score on that play. Not really, but, I mean, you get what I'm saying. And then, what else? Uh, that was my offensive line work. Greg Little had some great work on the second Edmonds touchdown to seal that five technique, a huge block in a big moment. But also on the uh, second short on the first drive, he got beat inside by a spin move on Von Miller. It's just too bad because we had guys open on that play. Sherfield and over route, Raheem on an option out route. We had a missed block on Teron Johnson late in the game in the third, uh, on a third down that could have sprung him as well. One of those instances we heard about where the, def- where the there was lanes, but one missed block kind of did us in. And then the running backs, Chase, I love his change of direction. That toss play to run inside where he gets on that track and gets to, to high speed quickly. I love that look. And I continue to be impressed by Raheem Mostert's feet. Matt Milano chopped him down twice on one-on-one situations in the hole that I thought Raheem had a chance to spring a big one. I trust that next time he'll do that. But man, what a play by Matt Milano on those couple of snaps there against Raheem Mostert. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break here on the podcast. We'll come back on the other side and do the defensive side of the football. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
Back here on a Turn the Page Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, putting this game to bed, and we continue right here with a defensive All-22 review. I thought the plan was so good. They just never busted a coverage to allow the Bills to get vertical on them. They asked so much of these speedy linebackers, this deep linebacker room in terms of playing coverage, keeping your eyes on Allen, the occasional pass rush. Real big tip of the cap to Coach Campanelli and Tyrone McKenzie for the job those guys did and just the plan in general from you know Josh Boyer and, and the entire staff to have those guys mix between getting depth, coming up to the line. Allen made so many plays but they just kept coming. On the strip sack by Javon Holland, we broke that down on the podcast on Monday, but you have Holland and Baker communicating signals so well. They wind up bringing eight, which speaks very highly of the coverage that Xavier Howard, Nick Needham, and Cater Kohu had on that back end because a mistake there with an eight-man rush and zero coverage, that could be 88 yards to the house. Instead... You've got really good coverage. Every route is capped. Everyone's on top of the route and driving on their breaks out of the stem. The beautiful part of all the pre-snap checking is that Allen knows that Brandon Jones is coming off that strong side, and he actually diverts his drop to kind of fade away from it. But the problem is Javon comes too and runs right around both Deion Dawkins and Devin Singletary and puts a hand on the football, which as a pass rusher, Sacks are great, but getting the ball out, that's a different ball game. Just a great play all around. Christian Wilkins is off to an all-pro start. He is an incredible, incredible player. Starts off very early with a quick crossover step to get right on Josh Allen instantly, which he evaded like he does, but just the, the fake rush to the right and then crossover back to the left to kind of get the offensive lineman off balance and gain the momentum advantage is 94's game. And the way he surfs down the line on those stretch runs to the outside is so damn good. He consistently disengages and makes the play on those plays. And then his arsenal of pass rush moves, it continues to get better every single year. He put a pressure on Allen in the second quarter in the red zone where he used his outside hand and kind of threw that thing across the guard's body on the, onto the inside shoulder. Then he rolls the outside part of his body under that block with a crossover step. It's like rare, rare balance with strength and heavy hands. He gets better every year, every game, and he took on double team after double team after double team and was still productive in this game. 94 is having one hell of a season. Melvin Ingram is a block destroyer. Whether it's physically running through a blocker or taking quick angles to get around them, he consistently does it. His first sack was a pretty crazy move. A little dummy step to the inside, a jab step back to the outside, back in crossing face when he gets the tackle to overset upfield, and that gives him a beeline to Josh Allen. But I would not overlook the importance of finishing that sack. He's a tough guy to get to the ground, and Melvin Ingram did it. Then I talk about the effort on the final drive on every single platform so far, but I have to do it again because this entire defense was so good. Emmanuel Ogba was so good. He kept winning again and again. You can see the conditioning, 70-plus snaps in this game, and he gives you that effort down in and down out. There were so many snaps where they just didn't have an answer for what he was doing, and he was winning inside, which is just kind of how you do it against Allen. Like If you run around the arc on the outside, that allows him to step up and scramble and make big plays and drop that shoulder and just do what he does. So those direct shots are so very good to get after Allen. 
Ingram, Ogba, Phillips, Trey Flowers just kept coming, and the effort was so amazing, especially Melvin on that final play, man. Rushes, misses the sack, retraces, and it's his effort, along with Xavier Howard walling off the sideline that keeps McKenzie in the field of play. And once he went down out there, he wasn't getting back to the middle of the field in time. Game over, Dolphins win. And then just the goal line work was so, so impressive. They never quit. E-Rob was flying around down there making plays. Wilkins, Sealer, Jenkins, Ogba standing things up. What an effort. Let's go, let's go ahead and keep going back to Ogba here, though, because his processing is something that I just love in his game, where he has eyes in the quarterback. He'll slide. He'll shift pre-snap to different positions. He lines up at different positions half the damn time. He two gaps. He one gaps. He rushes. He stays true to his gap integrity. He's an awesome player and was an absolute steal in free agency three years ago. Go back and watch the field goal, by the way. 91 got his hands on that ball. Have a day, 91. Mention Trey Flowers. He had a big fourth down play last week and applied some pressure on Allen in this game. You talk about playing through your man to the football. Performances like the one that he gave us is why teams with a quarterback like this might be so quick to bail on the running game. When you have a guy that can play the run on the way to the quarterback, it can make teams one-dimensional thought Jerome Baker's best game of the season happened on Sunday. He processed very, very well while shortening the distance between he and the backs in that intermediate area so dang well. The first down stop before the Holland forced fumble, you see him get himself into a position to take on the block and then create distance so you can separate and then make the play on the back. That was textbook play. I talked about the screen game a lot on the recap podcast. Baker's conditioning was also on display. The way he pursued and got so many tackles where he had to cover yard after yard, it flashed on tape. And just the way that he played from depth to close, he ran some routes down the middle, even got a pass breakup on one where he's going away from the quarterback. But the way he approached downhill towards the quarterback and tackled on backs on Josh Allen coming from that depth, he seems to have these breakout games every year after a few. And it feels like this was that game for him. I thought Alandon Roberts atoned for that opening drive touchdown where he didn't pick up the back after we had the rush off that side from Melvin Ingram with those goal line plays late in the game. Let's go ahead and work through those plays. On the second to last drive of the Bills, first and two from the, from the two-yard line or first and goal, Wilkins gets walk back where he takes his man three yards behind the line. Jenkins comes off a block and Roberts fills. Good team effort from those three guys. Second goal from the one. Sealer comes in unblocked and they miss blocks on Baker and E-Rob. More of a Failed offensive execution there. Third and two, it's outstanding coverage across the board. The play that X made was outright sensational, even without getting the pick. He chases Diggs to the spot, and then Diggs changes direction, which when this happens and the quarterback moves off of his spot and gets away from the initial rush, it's almost always a touchdown. But not only does he stay on Diggs, he turns his head back, locates the ball, and gets hands on it. If he makes that pick, it's seriously probably the best play of his career. So, so good. And then fourth and two, Josh Allen missed it. I thought it was pressure on the Sunday podcast. He just missed that throw. Nothing more to it. Then the final play of the game again. Ingram wins immediately on a twist and misses the sack. Phillips also splits a double team as the pick man. They both cannot finish, but you see the effort right afterwards. They both hop to their feet immediately and sprint after the quarterback. And then what X did to funnel that play back inside is big time from him as well. Duke Riley, I'm intrigued by his game. He had some some really good plays in this game. He damn near got a pick where he was in the hook zone and keyed a crossing route. He did break it up. His speed shows up every week. You're seeing him get more and more of a role. 
think you need that speed in this defense. Zach Sealer, his first play before the Holland forced fumble where he holds off a double team and allows Baker the space to get in there. Then the very next play, he throws his punch, stands up Dean Dawkins, then sheds the block and makes the play. He is so dang strong. He controls guys one-on-one with such regularity. The pass rush move on the play where Allen got free, it was either third or fourth down. I think it was actually fourth. Man, I think he's the only quarterback in the NFL that gets out of that. You gotta finish, but it doesn't take away from the rep where he uses that left hand to punch, then rips the right arm through, and the guard is left stumbling over his skis. Grown man strength on display every time this dude straps it up. Javon Holland, (laughs) the range, the ground that he covers, even on the big run, he comes from the far hash and saves a touchdown. He comes from depth and cuts down runs before they can get going. He's part of that rush package. He's willing on the back end to cover and cap so many of those deep route concepts the teams throw at them. He communicates it all so well. And then his breakup on that final play, First play, I should say, of the final drive was excellent coverage from him, especially with how tired he for sure was after playing 94 snaps in the game. What an effort. Nick Needham had two big pass breakups on that last drive. The second one was negated by the hold on Emmanuel Ogba, but process, right? Brandon Jones, man, he and Holland were so good in deep zones. Different looks where they would rob crossers, like where you have a too high safety and then Holland goes to the post and Brandon Jones comes down and tries to rob the crossing routes where you basically just cut in front of him and say, you're not throwing it here. He was doing that, but then he would fly downhill and put a hit on the quarterback or the running backs as well. Like that, having multiple roles within one player is such a, such a beneficial factor for this defense and the corners did a good job funneling stuff into those safeties I know Buffalo got lots of yards through the air but man this defense made them earn every single inch of it and just Brandon Jones plays so fast every single game Keon Crossan that pass breakup on Gabe Davis in the end zone saved us four points it was sensational Davis had that thing tucked away but Keon stayed on him and found an avenue to shoot that hand across the bow and jar it loose what a play And then X was such a good game from Xavier Howard. I know we expect him to catch everything because he usually does. If he squeezes just one of those two potential picks, it's such a monster game, but it was still so good. The way he was rerouting digs and the way he was clamping on zone looks, the way he was driving out of his back pedals and brakes, very, very good good game for Xavier Howard. Cater Kohu, look, that ball that Allen threw on second 19, he was in such good shape. And, and Christian Wilkins beat a man, drew the running back, and drew a third blocker, literally triple teamed on that play. And Kahoo's in good shape, but sometimes you get beat by a perfect throw. The second touchdown of the game, they're in zero, and he just loses his man, doesn't run with him off the snap, and it's the easiest touchdown of Josh Allen's career. So all in all, a couple of times, guys got turned free. There was too many missed tackles. PFF had 16 of them. But man, there was so much good in this game on this tape, especially when you consider how many snaps there were that they were out there for 90 and simply just kept coming back so impressed by the effort this team gave in this game we love to see it it's a proud performance and by that I mean one that the fan base should be so very proud of that's your all 22 review we'll come back and get to the numbers next here from pro football focus snap counts and we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel that's next on the drive time podcast your host Travis Wingfield brought to you by Auto Nation. go ahead and look at the numbers here starting off with pro football focus Tua on the day completed all three of his 20 plus air yard throws he was three of five in their intermediate that's 10 to 19 yards and on the season 
throwing the ball 20 plus yards down the field, ready to kill some narratives. Nine for 13, 303 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. It's a 118 passer rating, throwing the ball 20 plus yards downfield. 10 plus, that includes the 20 plus yards, but anything beyond 10 yards. 25 of 27, that's right around 67% completion. 582 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. That's a 129 rating. It's really, really good, guys. Buffalo blitzed him just two times, a sack and one incompletion, which was a drop, by the way. So he's 13 of 17 for 186 yards and a touchdown against non-blitzing plays. And with really only six possessions, seven if you count the butt punt possession, uh, touchdowns on half of those. Mentioned this in the Patriots game. If you get the ele- average 11 possessions per game, touchdowns on half of those is four and a half. That's like 31 points. That's more than ideal, right? It was an efficient effort offensively, just 18 throws, but so many big, big moments, and the yards per play continues to really pop. He's second in the NFL in yards per play right now. And speaking of pressure, how about the offensive line, man? We knew that would be a key with Buffalo's injuries in the secondary and that ferocious pass rush still being there. Five pressures all game long. Armstead, zero. Eichenberg, two. Williams, zero. Hunt, zero. Little, two. Rob Jones, zero. We got one by the tight ends as well for the fifth pressure. PFF has with a six yards average running off right guard. It's a couple of weeks in a row over six yards running behind big Rob Hunt. How about the running backs? The big stat for me here is four first downs and two touchdowns. That's six conversions on just 14 rushing attempts by your two running backs. And that second short to medium conversion range is a big deal to me. Convert those, hit explosive plays. I'm happy with the running backs doing that, especially with their pass game production. Among wide receivers and tight ends, Buffalo did a good job keeping things in front and limiting yak yards. Waddle led the way with 18 yak, and Smythe had 16. He was second. Just one yak yard for Tyreek. I can't imagine that's going to happen a whole lot this year. 25.5 yards per catch for Waddle. He's doubled his total from last season up to 18 per catch. Remember how I couldn't stop talking about the fact that he caught 20 of 25 targets in college on passes over 20 air yards? Pure electricity from that kid. He also notched 6.38 yards per route run. That's absurd. Anything over two is good. It was Jalen's day, back-to-back 100-yard games. River Craycraft, all he does is catch touchdowns. Two catches, 12 points for River. And how about this stat? It was only our, our only contested catch of the day was his touchdown catch, which speaks to the Dolphins' ability to create separation. When he caught that ball, he had 0.9 yards of separation, which next-gen gives us a completion probability of just 27% on that play. That'll work. Defensively, 46 pressures as a team on 73 Allen dropbacks. Ogba had seven. Ingram had six. Phillips and Flowers had five apiece. Sealer and Wilkins had four apiece. Holland and Jenkins had three apiece. Needham, Brandon Jones, and Baker all had two apiece. Crossan, Van Ginkle, and Riley all had one. And can we just appreciate the conditioning of this team? Again, like rushing the quarterback is such an exhausting activity, especially when it's that quarterback. Ogba, 58 pass rush snaps. Wilkins, 49. Phillips, 44. Sealer, 34. Flowers, 32. Ingram, 32. Jenkins, 28. That's unreal effort from those guys. How about run stops? They didn't run the ball a whole lot because we stopped it. Baker, four. Ingram, three. Holland, Phillips, and Roberts, two apiece. And seven guys had one. In coverage, we had nine pass defense as a team. Holland and X had two apiece. Holland played 69 coverage snaps, allowed 20 yards. Needham played 69 coverage snaps, 11 yards. X harder from this position than safety in slot corner. 65 snaps, 59 yards, under one yards. Great against Stephon Diggs. It's great against anybody. Against Stephon Diggs, it's phenomenal. Brandon Jones, 60, 68 yards, right above one yard per coverage snap. Cater Kohu, 54, 82 yards allowed. 
That's pretty good for the rookie. Excuse me. Baker, 54 coverage snaps, 54 yards allowed. Some league leaders, Tua, 925 passing yards is second in the NFL. Eight touchdowns is tied for third. 7.9% touchdown rate is second in the NFL. His interception rate is 2%. Among quarterbacks with at least 100 pass attempts, that is 13th best in the NFL. Also, just one fumble. Just three potential turnovers in three games. 9.2 yards per attempt is second. 71.3% completion is fourth. 117.8 passer rating is second. His 82.8 QBR is first. His fourth quarter comebacks, he's got two of them. That's tied for first. His game-winning drives, he's got two of them. That's tied for first. Jalen and Tyreek are 1 and 2 in yards per route ran. That's dynamic, 3.70 and 3.48. Waddle has 19 catches. That's 18th in the NFL. His 342 yards is second. His three touchdowns are tied for second, and his 11.4 yards per target is 11th. Tyreek's 21 catches are 7th. His 317th yards are 3rd. His two TDs are tied for 11th, and his 10.9 yards per target is 18th. X has four passes defense. That's tied for fourth in the National Football League. Javon has three. That's tied for 14th. How about Thomas Morstead? 74-yard free kick, by the way. How big was that? Good stuff. Good special teams, good defense, good offense. Uh, you got to get, you know, complimentary nature. You have to find multiple ways to win football games. This team continues to prove that they can do that. How about some snap counts here before we hear from Coach Mike McDaniel and then get out of here? Let's go ahead and pull that up real quick. I probably should do that first, Travis. On defense, man, Holland played all 92 snaps. That's wild. Needham played 90. Brandon Jones played 83. So did Jerome Baker. Xavier Howard played 81. Those guys, get them some massages, get them a, a conditioning or some, an IV, get them a, an ice bath. Ogba and Kohu played 70. That's so very good. Kohu getting some more work to kind of tells you how they view his role in this defense. Wilkins, 63. Phillips, 62. Ingram, 57. All those guys are big, integral parts of that front seven rotation. Roberts, 47. Sealer, 46. Flowers, fresh off of the uh, getting called up, and he has 41 snaps in this game. Jenkins, 37. Riley, 28. Eric Rowe, 27. Van Ginkle, 21. Crossen, 11. And Egwavon played three in the game. Offensively, some interesting splits here. You had Eichenberg, Connor Williams, Teron Armstead, and Rob Hunt played 43. Uh, Rob Hunt missed one, sorry. The other guys played 43. That was every snap. Rob Hunt missed the one. Tua missed three snaps, so 93% of the snap count there, which gives Teddy Bridgewater three snaps. Uh, Greg Little played 38 snaps playing through that hand injury. Tyreek played 37. Waddle played 32. The same number as Smythe, and Smythe is kind of becoming tight end one here. Kasicki with 17 snaps in the game. Uh, Sherfield had 27 snaps. Where is Craycraft? Nine snaps for Craycraft, and Wilson played just five snaps in the game. Among running backs, Mostert 24, Edmonds 19, so a pretty even equitable split there. Ingold played 12 snaps in the game. Just not a lot of options to get to multiple packages for the Dolphins in this game. Rob Jones gives you five snaps. Tanner Connor gives you one snap, and Larnell Coleman gives you one snap as well. So a lot of defensive snaps, not much on the offensive side. Let's go ahead and hear two comments from Coach McDaniel. First, about Tua and his confidence outweighing his perfectionism. This year, a big goal for him. We'll hear him talk about that, and then we'll come back right after that and hear him talk about the value of Armstead and Xavier Howard gutting it through injuries this week and playing in that game. Uh, it was a really cool last week. He, that's a one, one of the things that I can't say enough about, about Tua in general is how coachable he is. And it's one thing to say a coaching point, which is what you're – alluding to and it's another thing for a guy to take it by the teeth and run with it and he had um 
he he channeled the the end of the Baltimore game into a great week uh, where he was. You could feel his spirit, his command, um, his attention to detail, but also his confidence. And I think it definitely um, manifests itself in this game. You know, um, that's why you can't just look at uh, you know stat lines. His stats weren't nearly as impressive um, as the game before, but he definitely took a step forward in the right direction. Um, you, you could argue that, and I would argue that, it's probably the, the in-rhythm touchdown that he made to River Craycraft. That, that I would put that up against any, any play that he's made this year. Um, and I don't think going into the Baltimore game he might have made that play because it was a um, more than just a bang bang. It was he had to see the coverage right and um, really really hum the ball in there because it was a tight window in in that low red area. Um, so that that's an example of him. Um, I think on the the long waddle catch, uh, you know, people talk about all sorts of nonsense to me. But all I see is a guy that not only made the throw, but watch what he what he was doing pre or before the throw in his drop. Um, the only reason why there was any room from the field half safety was because he was eyeing him up the entire time and and really not even looking at Waddle to try to manipulate that guy. So what that tells me is that's a guy in a situation that. Um, it's not for everybody. Third and 22 isn't exactly where you want to be. Um, but he saw that. He recognized that he had a, a play call that that he owned. He got the look that um, we were looking for, and he really, um, really owned that moment. And it's, you know, who, who would have known that that could have been one of the bigger plays in the game? Um, a guy that's confident, a guy that, is not trying to force stuff, but recognizes when his opportunity is there. Um, that's what that guy was there. So I think, I think it was a uh, a really really big week, applying all that Baltimore, all, uh, all that gained momentum from the Baltimore game into this past week. That I'm not sure if we would have won the game otherwise. And now on his captains, Teron Armstead and Xavier Howard, gutting it through those injuries to play the entire game. There's just there's a lot of inspiring. Our, our guys are really um, are really taking um, leadership and under and following leadership appropriately. Um, and our captains um, specifically have done an unbelievable job setting the tone. And when you have two captains like that, do everything they possibly can to contribute as much as they can to the team. Um, it, there's a trickle-down effect that, uh, that I think really it, it's hard to just say their own play. Not only did they play um, very, very well, both of them, um, but I think they, uh, you're, you're also setting a tone for your teammates to follow. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of straining, a lot of grit, um, a lot of battling in that game that uh, is a function of a lot of captains really scratching and clawing. So um, that, that's the thing I was so pumped about was because they not only put their 
characteristic, you know, um, top top shelf play on the on performance. But I think they they um, show they led by example in a way that you'd really hope um, your captains would, and that's what we count on them for. And they they came through for sure. Alrighty, there you have it. Really fun podcast here, taking a look at a huge, huge Miami Dolphins win. Ah, what a day that was. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. Check out our Twitter Spaces show on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock with me, Seth, and Juice from the Fish Tank. Check out the YouTube channel for all the media veils. Dolphins Today, drive time and fish tank content up there as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, daddy's coming home.